Welcome to Hot Salad World, baby. Ay, hace mucho calor. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first official episode of the Dorkside podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike Lupia. Uh, alongside me here is my wonderful other host, Dan Petruccio. Dan Petruccio, that would be me. What's up, Dan? Not much. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into this podcast. Uh, we are proud to be a member of the Hot Salad World podcast network. So thank you to Oh yeah. Thank you to those guys for having us. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Um yeah, so we are going to be basically your source for everything movies, TV, gaming, everything nerdy. Everything you want to hear, everything we want to Everything share you don't want to hear. Everything you don't want to hear. I don't know. We'll tell maybe. you what you don't want to hear. We hope you want to hear it, but if you don't <laughs> That's a new angle. Yeah. So, uh, so Dan, what do we got? What do we got on the schedule here for our first official episode? Well, when Super Bowl season comes around, people do Super Bowl predictions. Today, we're doing a little bit of a nerdy spin on that. We're doing Star Wars: The Last Jedi predictions as a special episode for our first episode on Hot Salad World. This one's gonna kind of delve into what we think is gonna happen. What is the future of the new Star Wars galaxy, and where is it going? Just so when the movie comes out, this will be our time capsule, as if to say, "I told you." So because you know we do our fake Super Bowl predictions because the real Super Bowl was depressing. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know anything about sports. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so. <laughs> As of last week, we got our first official glimpse into really what episode 8 was going to be by getting the title, the first poster. Other than that, we don't know much. Looks so like there will be some stars in it. We assume there's going to be stars, maybe a little bit of wars. We don't know. We can, we can assume. So basically, we're just going to talk some theories. We're going to debate some different questions here and there. Uh, give our take on what we think is going to happen uh, based on what we know, based on what we don't know. Um, no spoilers here, obviously, because we don't know any more than you do. But if you don't like to n talk about things that might happen, this conversation may not be for you. I know it might be painful for you, but we can have this talk. Continue with your own discretion. Anyway, so Dan, let's get to our first little theory here. You and I were discussing last week mm. the topic that's on every Star Wars fan's mind. That's Ray. Right. Ray, her background, where does she come from, who are her parents, and you have quite the theory uh, about not only who her parents might be or who her family might be, uh, but also where she came from and yeah. how she came to end up in that uh, situation on Jakku that we find right. her in in The Force Awakens. So uh, why don't you delve into that a little bit? All right. And feel free to jump in whenever you have a question yeah. or something because I really like thought this out and looked things up. But I'm not going to pretend like I'm the first person to ever come up with with some of these ideas. You know, someone could have someone could have found the same thing because it's all, the, my point here is that it's all there in front of you if you look hard enough. Um, so really what I'm going to talk about is where she comes from to me and who she is to me. Now, I'm a cosplayer, so I look really far into these movies. I watch them uh, more times than you would ever think to watch a movie, and then I'm still enjoying them, and then I keep on going. I'm a marathon movie watcher just to look at what's going on in the film. So I look at the themes. We, are, we also have backgrounds um, loving and watching and actually making films, so we really look at filmmaking when all of these things are taken into account, so I'm not just... I'm not coming from just a standard movie watching point of view. Neither is Mike. You know, we're coming from people who giving you the deep dive. Who, yeah, into into film and the and themes and and themes are so important, especially in Star Wars. So here's kind of like my theory on Rey and the mystery of Rey and who her parents are have been the source of buzz since the first trailer for Episode Seven came out. So right now, that's what we're gonna crack open. When the movie opens, we see Rey pick up a pilot helmet while she eats her little quarter portion. And she puts it on. The helmet has the letters in Orabesh. R-A-E-H. Now, Orabesh is the language. I was, gonna, I was literally just going to ask that. I love Star Wars and I did not <laughs> know what that is. You've seen it on Darth Vader's chest box. You've seen it on Poe Dameron's vest. You've seen it everywhere in Star Wars. You just never have really known what it was unless you were a real hardcore fan like, you know, 
uh, many people know, you know. But Arabesh is the language and alphabet used in Star Wars. R-A-E-H was the rebel captain of the Tyrfon Yellow Aces. He slash she, as Rey imagines it, crash-landed on Jakku. Now, this was part of Rey's survival guide. It was a... It was a companion book to The Force Awakens, I think more geared towards kids, but it doesn't matter because all the books therein are canon. They're all official. They're all official. So that's the way she imagines it, and they crash-landed on Jakku. So this would be Captain Ray, spelled a little bit differently than Ray's name. The helmet was one of the first items, it says in the books, that Ray scavenged from the graveyard, which is the, which is the Star Destroyer, and um, all the downed Imperial ships and walkers we the see. The remnant from like the Battle of yeah, Jakku that's that one of at the, some point happened during exactly, the war. Exactly, exactly. It's one of the first items she scavenged from the graveyard on Jakku when she was a kid. And then it says, in quotes in the books, uh, in her journal, as a kid I would make up stories about Captain Ray. And to me, here we simply just got Ray's name. She chose it. She picked it. Yeah, it, because would, be, it would be quite the coincidence if... Her name didn't come from that. Yeah, she picked it because as she said in the trailers, I truly believe what she's saying. Didn't make it to the movies. I'm no one. To Ray, she truly, truly is no one. While bending down to meet BB-8, she mockingly says, when she says, you know, where are you from? She, he says, you know, classified. And she says, me too, big secret, mockingly as to where she's from. She says it in such a way because BB-8 said it's classified. Ray must feel like her own past is classified too, as in she doesn't know it. Why doesn't she know her past? And this is the most interesting piece to me, and something I've thought since the beginning, since we saw the movie, was that the canon Star Wars memory rub was in good use here. In the Clone Wars cartoon, just as to cite this technique, it was wiped from Anakin's memory that he was ever given knowledge of his future as Darth Vader. He had no recollection of seeing that future prematurely. Memory that was given knowledge of his future as Darth Vader to him from, I believe, one of the Sons of the Force. He had no recollection of seeing that future prematurely, and also, conversely, the memories of one's past can also be wiped, and this is the big part, along with learned abilities. This is important because in this theory, in my theory, her mind was wiped and she was left on Jakku or Jakku. However, you pronounce it from the movie pronunciation, like but I okay. enjoy Donald Gleason's pronunciation of Jakku. Jakku. If it's on Jakku, we'll soon have it. Okay. <laughs> um, she was the last surviving member of Luke Skywalker's new generation of Jedi that we learned about from Han Solo and the last, the new generation of Jedi that Kylo Ren wiped out all those years ago. She was the girl who lived in my story just as she's, much she's, like Harry Potter. She's the Harry Potter. She's the Harry Potter of this story. She was brought to Jakku by a fleeing Luke Skywalker. That's whose ship we see in the flashback or in the vision. When she's saying come back, that is Luke Skywalker leaving. He grew up, he grew up the same way which is how he knows she'll be okay. And this is a big one for me. Only the master of a very powerful little girl can make the assertion that Ray would be okay being left there. Only someone who's observed your skills and seen what you're capable of goes, I've wiped her mind, she's got nothing here, but she's gonna be okay. And you know, I think that speaks to a lot of people, uh, you know, if, if anybody had complaints about episode seven, I think, uh, a common one was, well, how was Rey such a good Jedi so quickly? She's not, she has no training. She has no background in using the Force, using a lightsaber, and she's able to hold mm -hmm. her own against Kylo Ren. She's able to use the Force to mind trick a stormtrooper, which, as we've only seen done by the best of masters, by Obi-Wan and because... Qui-Gon, because right. this this would make sense with your theory, She's learned it. She all. wasn't learning it. She was remembering, and we'll we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Um, and the the secular uh part of my my theory mm. on to who she's from, um, and but but see in this theory also, you know that this would kind of since you mentioned it, um. You know what? 
I'm going to leave that for a moment. I'm going to leave you on that <laughs> Ooh, because I, I'm going to come back to that because I'm going to come back to it in a way that's going to make the most sense. Get him. So we're going to go back to the fact that she was the girl who lived and she was brought there by Luke Skywalker, as I said, and he kind of was able to tell that she'd be okay. So he's that's why that ship is hauling ass out of there. He must have wiped her mind and she must have spent the ride there with him and basically said, you know, I'll come back for you, kind of in the style of Poe Dameron at the beginning of the movie. And that's why she's so clinging in the movie to like, you know, I got to be on Jakku. Someone's coming back for me. Right. And this, in my theory, is why when, when, um, when Maz says to Ray in the thing, whoever, who, whoever left you on Jakku, they're never coming. They're never coming back. You almost did the Maz voice there. They're never coming back. There you go. But there still is someone who can. I kind of love Luke. So when she says there's still someone who can and she says Luke, you know what? Because Luke is not only the, 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 the person who still can, but he's the person who did. He's the person who's oh, still who, coming back. It was back. always meant to be him. It was always meant to be him. If the Force should have it, if the Force is destiny and you have your destiny, Luke was always meant to be the one to come back and or be there when Rey was reawoken. When there was that, there has been an awakening. Have you felt it? That awakening shook the the Force world because it was the awakening that was meant to happen. Because Luke Skywalker was always meant to be the one that Rey went to at the at the at the side end of this of this awakening. So now, Dan. So, yes. Luke Skywalker must be her father, right? I will kill you. Luke Skywalker <laughs> has nothing to do with Rey. Luke Skywalker, in, in that <laughs> in paternal that way, he's got blood connection. JJ has said, and I will cite this again, JJ has said her parents are not in the movie. Which is interesting. Which is interesting. So now let's look at her force ability. Like you said, you know, how'd she get all these powers so quickly? And as Kylo Ren is probing her mind when he takes her um, onto the base. He he sees the island that Luke is on. He sees Ankh too. I because see. I see the island. I see the island. Because she's seen it. Possibly been there when she was having her mind wiped. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe she's having a vision through the force. But he is digging through her mind. That is for a hundred percent certain. Maybe instead of having her mind wiped. She was now having her mind jogged. Now I want you to picture a file folder full of uh, a file folder within a bunch of drawers in a filing cabinet. And now someone just starts opening every draw and sifting through every file in your cabinet and starts tossing things out of it and starts opening up things that you folders you didn't even remember were there. You didn't even know were there because that is what Kylo Ren's doing at the moment. He's jogging by probing through her mind. And that is how, in one day, she blocks him out, uses the Jedi mind trick, fights a dark side apprentice, and uses the force pull. He reignited and uh, the erased learned abilities that she had learned so long ago as a little girl. He brought them all back. Which is why, as she grabs the lightsaber from the snow, in the novelization, Kylo Ren says, It's you as in recognition of the little girl that was able to resist him and survive all those years ago. He didn't think she was worth finding to kill as she was too small, and he was betting on Luke erasing her mind anyway. Probably Snoke was, too, who was seducing Kylo at the time. And if she's being abandoned, you know, what's to even say she'd survive out there? And you know what? I'm sure that if Kylo ran off to Snoke with, his, with, the, with the other students that he took with him, if he ran off, I guarantee when he got to Snoke and Snoke asked, did you leave anyone alive? He said no, because no one wants to look like they were made a fool out of. So, so uh, as we're left to understand, he killed every single one except we're so, guessing. you know what? Right. So someone so full of himself who throws temper tantrums says, I killed everyone. See, now, this, now here, this is why she switches gears from, you know from being trying to murder her in that final fight scene when she pulls the lightsaber to you need a teacher i can show you the ways of the force his mistake leaving her alive 
because he had no choice because probably she was able to resist him and he was like, I better get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, his <laughs> mistake. I'm out. His mistake is now coming back to destroy him. <laughs> he knows he won't defeat her, even saying in the movie, she's untrained but stronger than she knows. Why doesn't she know it? Again, I bring to you the people because it's buried. It's the mind wipe. So if you look closely, a lot of this seems to be hinted at under the surface. Yes. So it's it's hinted at and it is played through thematically through the movie. Now we get to the second part of my theory. The parents. Who does she belong to? And I think in the story, now we're going to go backwards from my theory before. And we're going to work this movie backwards. We're going to work from that last scene. We have Daisy Ridley saying, which is in a cited interview. When I saw the movie with some friends, this is a paraphrasing. When I saw the movie with some friends, I thought, having done the movie, it was quite obvious who I was related to. But my friends, who are really big Star Wars fans, didn't seem to have any clue who I was related to. So I had no idea it was buried that well. Why? Because it is right there again in front of us. That answer is there. Now we go back to the point that JJ said her parents are not in the movie. They're not there. And he also said in the same exact press junket, he said, and if Obi-Wan Kenobi was her parent, he wouldn't be. He'd be a grandfather. And that is where I'm coming from. This isn't a movie about parents, even though Kylo Ren's parents ended up being Han Solo and Princess Leia. This isn't a movie about parents. This is a movie of grandparents. I feel grandfather. Show me again the power of the darkness. This is a this is a story of grandparents. So here we have me bringing you the thought that Obi Wan is her grandfather. In the in the Clone Wars, we already saw that Obi Wan fell in love. And if that doesn't surprise, if that doesn't, that, that's in the Clone Wars, the TV Clone show? Wars cartoon, yes. In every medium, you see in every medium of Star Wars that a master is not supposed to become attached to his Padawan, and a Padawan is not supposed to become attached to their teacher. So not only did Obi-Wan fall in love in the Clone Wars, Obi-Wan fell in love in the movies. You are my brother, Anakin. I loved you. Which is already forbidden words that Obi-Wan is shouting from, that, from the high ground. He's shouting it. So both of those times, those were forbidden. But Obi-Wan said, tack with it. This is what I'm feeling. And Obi-Wan was still the Jedi inside. Now, let's just look at thematic shots. From Mike Knows, being a film guy, shots are really important. And where they land and what you're looking at is just so important. And if you mirror sh things that we've seen previously in other movies, in other parts of the same movie, whatever it may be, it says a lot. It says a lot more than I think meets the eye. Let me just bring to you one of the biggest art terms ever. Chiaro scuro, which means light and dark. I was like, you're going to need to explain and that. And that is in film, that is in art, <laughs> that is in painting, that is in plays, that is in uh, drama, that is in, in, in dr drama to comedy, that is in everything. Um, mm. So that's what we have. We have light and dark. So... Here, where that has never worked better, because we have the light side and the dark side. So pretty easy, uh, pretty easy transition. But also now on film, what would you get to present the light side and the dark side? The other big uh, representative or symbolic thing you could possibly find: fire and ice. The symbolic opposites. Fire and ice. Fire turning to ice. It's cyclical, just like this story. Last time we saw the Skywalker legacy lightsaber, it was being pulled by a Kenobi from Molten Ash, fire. Now, the, in my theory, being pulled by a Kenobi again from the ice. Yeah. That is the awakening and that is the cycle there. Now, we look at the shots of just like the, the big, Daisy Ridley said um, that the key to Rey is in her solitude. Now, Luke 
which everyone thinks seems to think is you know seems to understand is Luke was never solitary. Luke never lived a solitary life. Luke had friends. One of the first lines we hear from Uncle Owen is that he can go run along and play with his friends later. Yeah. Luke had friends. So we see we're led to think that he was alone because he was left on on a Tassel, sand but, plan. No. But no, yeah, he and was. And he had Obi Wan looking over him. Yeah, and but he had you know who he was had alone? an uncle. He had a family. Who was alone there? Obi Wan, left alone, sitting there, just wasting away, waiting for Luke to come of age, just waiting for someone else's life to happen, alone. That old hermit. Yep, that old hermit, because that's the key to who Ray is. Seems simple. But it's really all there. Now you look at the fact that, you know, think think about how she's the one in my theory who lived. Maybe that's why Luke was training her in the first place. Don't you think that owing Ben, that if Ben had a granddaughter, and when he was se seeking out many students, like in the comic books, when he was seeking out students for his Jedi Academy, don't you think that he would seek out the one he feels like he owes the most? The one that he feels like he can make a source for good? The one that he feels like there's no way that there's not greatness inside this girl? The one who is the most meant to be a Jedi. A Jedi. I have to find it. And so he did. And Kenobi and Skywalker have been clashing now for generations. Kenobi and Skywalker. Kenobi well, yeah, and Skywalker. I want to go back to the point you made before about this being a story of grandparents. I mean, it would be the most fitting thing to connect. You know, there were a lot of theories before Force Awakens came out. Like, oh, maybe they're both Han and Leia's kids. They're brother and sister, Kylo and Rey. Or, you know, maybe they're cousins. You know, maybe she's Luke's daughter. But I think it would be even more fitting if you have these two rivals the dark side and the light side ray and kylo being grandchildren of obi-wan and anakin the right. center of this entire universe is about, those two yeah, characters it's not about their parents it's a, the key is in their grandparents mm -hmm. that's the key you know you and have... i think it's easy to overlook that that might be a possibility and i think that's why this although this theory is out there that she's a kenobi i don't think it's the primary theory because i think they push the luke thing because it seems obvious. But you know what? And then once you look at it, it's obviously not. I agree. It's obviously not Luke. And it, it is more, this is more towards, um, you know, when you start looking at these things and the truth starts to uncover itself, the obvious theory starts to become Obi-Wan. Yeah. Starts to, it's because, and it's just as obvious as Daisy Ridley had said. I thought it was in the movie. Also in shots like when we had, when we had um, at the beginning of A New Hope, we had um, Obi-Wan on that on the uh, shield generator um just scaling the side of it you know by with hands and feet you know trying to shut the shields down so that luke and co could get it get the hell out of there and now on star killer base they could have had ray just running around the hallways just like kind of keeping herself out of sight but we see her scaling the sides of walls in there hand to foot yeah. finding her way secretly out of there when Finn and uh, Han find her, we see a shot, and she's scaling the walls. Just like Obi-Wan, you have these thematic shots over and over again. We are shown. And in the flashback, in that, in that dream sequence, that vision that she has, I do believe that Obi-Wan saying, Ray, these are your first steps is there for a reason. It's there for a reason. Now, when Ewan McGregor said, you know, gave this whole, you know, analysis, uh, you know, not analysis, but of his own scene, he mm. said, you know, I think that was probably Obi-Wan's voice coming from across, what sounds like in the interview at first is from across the force. He, if you listen, there's a T. He's saying in his accent, coming to her from across the forest. Hmm. And so then you have this idea that Force Ghost, and I don't think, you know, everyone keeps saying, you know, but the lightsaber, it played the music, you know, it, it you know, the lightsaber, it will call, you know, called to her. She's got to be a Skywalker, you know, but think about who was in possession of that lightsaber for 19 years. For almost, for, for longer than Anakin had it. Think about. For longer than Luke had it, for that matter. Think about the... If a lightsaber had those kyber crystals in it, now we just learned in Rogue One the importance of kyber 
the kyber crystal. It's like the heart of the Jedi's lightsaber. Now, if we're to believe in that movie, we're to believe that there's a purpose in that movie being there, and the certain lines lending themselves not just to that movie, but to future movies as well, that lightsaber has a beating heart in it. And if you think that very blue lightsaber was comfortable having murdered children and taking down the Jedi, think again. Because that lightsaber also has a destiny. Excuse and me, the correct term is younglings. <laughs> he killed younglings. Poor Natalie Portman. She needed to get nominated for two Oscars just to wash this away. <laughs> she doesn't want to talk about it. I called her agent. Um, <laughs> We're so... going to have her on the podcast. Friend of the show. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you think that, lights, that lightsaber was ready to fall back into the hands of the bloodline that had brought it to the better destiny decades ago. That's my theory on that. The lightsaber called to her because it was her destiny, like it was for Obi-Wan to have it, was her destiny to right those wrongs with that weapon. I'll go a step further there. Maybe because it was always Obi-Wan's destiny to deliver it to Luke. Yeah. Maybe it's the Force calling out for it to be her destiny to deliver it to Luke. It is. See, and that's the other part of my theory, is when the first time we see that lightsaber, pretending the prequels didn't happen, Obi-Wan is pulling it out of a chest and flipping it over and handing it to Luke. Now, decades of this stuff happens. He loses old Ben. He loses everything. Now we have the solitary man. And what more to bring this man hope than for that box to proverbially open up again and there she is standing there, Kenobi. I'm handing you the lightsaber again. Boomerang effect. I'm. It's back. It's calling to you. Take it. We need you. And now, before it was, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're our only hope. Now, Luke Skywalker is the only hope. He is the old Ben, so it fulfills that, fulfills that role. But he is also now the only hope. She's looking at him almost in tears, but in the book. It says that he stares longingly into her eyes as if into the eyes of an old friend. And also, it says that she's handing it to him as this kind of symbol of, of you know, need. It even says in the, it even says in the book, our only hope. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I believe that's what it says in the screenplay, too. I'm pretty sure it says, um, hold it out. Her, her only hope, something along as those a lines. proposition. She says it says as a proposition, as a sort of a uh, you know, mm-hmm. like almost like a almost yeah, like a proposition. Um, our only hope, and so now he's the old Ben figure. Now maybe this is how to right those wrongs from the past. Now Skywalker will get to teach and or reteach Kenobi, just like all those years ago when Kenobi taught Skywalker. Now you have. A completed cycle and the cycle wasn't meant to end with the grandfathers it was meant to end with the grandchildren and let's and thus starts the end of the cycle that the prequel started us on of father and son now grandfather and grandchild we have in Ray and Kylo there you go there you have it that is the big Dan Patricio Ray prediction and I look forward to seeing if it... I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. I look forward to seeing if it, uh, if it plays out that way. All right, Mike. What are you thinking about the Knights of Ren? Knights of Ren. I think that's one of the more interesting things that they kind of glaze over in The Force Awakens. So we're led to believe in a couple different places through uh, Kylo Ren's conversations with Snoke, uh, as well as a little glimpse in Rey's vision of him with these big, this big group of these, uh, you know, guys in black robes and hoods and these Very weapons. Cool. Yeah, they look cool. Um, we know that Kylo Ren is the master of this group called the Knights of Ren. They mm. are some sort of squad that is under his command and therefore under Snoke's command somehow. That's about all we know. Um, so I think uh, I think we're going to learn a lot more about them in this movie, personally. I think they're going to play into mm-hmm. it, especially now that Kylo Ren is going to need more help seeking out Rey and seeking out Luke. Um, so I definitely think they're going to play into this movie a lot. Um, and I think Benicio Del Toro's character is going to have a lot to do with how that goes. So Benicio Del Toro uh, has been cast in Episode Eight. We know that much. We don't know much more. He said he's playing some sort of villain. Now, I think, personally, I think Kylo Ren's got to be on a short leash at this point. He does not have complete training. 
He failed in apprehending Rey on multiple occasions in The Force Awakens. Snoke can't be happy with him. Can't be happy with what he's failed to accomplish. He was supposed to be the great hope, his great apprentice. So I have a feeling we're going to have Benicio de Toro's character come in as some sort of person, maybe to lead the Knights of Ren over Kylo, or to lead from the inside, basically to overshadow Kylo and be Snoke's guy to keep him in line. Because I think he needs it, and I think that'll push Kylo to try harder to find Rey. That'll push him to really think about the man that he's become and the type of person that he wants to be, the, you know, the Sith with Jedi blood, mm. essentially. And I don't know, it could end up going a lot of different ways. I think in my theory here, it could either end up with Kylo going even further than he already has, killing his father in the last one, or it could end up with Kylo maybe realizing his sins and trying to make amends and maybe following his, his birthright and going back to the light. As you know, Leia says in Force Awakens, there's still good in him. I know it. I know it. I know it. And usually when people say that in Star Wars, they tend to be right. So I think uh, I think we're going to, like I said, I think we're going to find out a lot more about the Knights of Ren. And I think uh, Benicio Del Toro's character is going to be a key in seeing where that goes. I think you're wrong, wrong, wrong. I, I think, honestly, I think that um, the Force chose... When that light left the room, when Kylo stabbed Han, the Force chose Kylo's path. And now, come on, people, he's he's got he's got the the Sith scar now. He's marked up and marred, which is what he yeah, secretly like always wanted. Face. He secretly always wanted it in his grandpa worshiping level. He's always wanted this reason to wear armor, and now he's got it. And so it's like you know, be careful what you wish for. Boom, you have friggin' scarred shoulder, face, neck. You know, and so I dare to say probably blind in one eye since that went up his cornea. Yeah, he got since, he got wrecked since by a that lightsaber, lightsaber. Blasted his cornea. I'll be very surprised if he's got both eyes. But it's Star Wars. Back to tanks exist. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, back to tanks kind of took like Anakin's scarred, charred body that looked like an overcooked hamburger and turned it into this white kind of skin-looking body. Yeah. So hey, it worked out. There's for hope him. for you, Ben. Anyway, I think that Benicio del Toro. I don't. I, you know what? I can. I can dig your theory, and I could totally get with it if it happens. But I'm thinking he's a sleazebag politician. I'm thinking he's more on the on the on the uh, side of. Uh, you know, there's always some sort of commentary in Star Wars, especially these more recent ones. Mm. And I honestly think that he is a sleazebag politician that is sitting on top of the hill, which is why you've seen the set pictures of all the people gussied up. Um, and I think that yeah, for those, the resistance. For those, well, yeah, I just want to explain real quick for those who haven't seen them. Yeah, there are these like set pictures. They're a little, they're a little jarring at first. They're like aliens and tuxes with like these fancy car-looking ships. And then you realize we've never seen the upper crust of Star Wars in That's this true. universe. We've never seen it. We've never seen rich people in Star Wars. We've kind of seen people on like Naboo. Or, um, which looks similar, Lando wears a cape. We've seen royalty, we've seen politicians, we've never seen just, like, rich business owners. We've seen the same shoes that these people are wearing and cape on Lando. Hmm. Because Lando was a rich guy, because he was a rich gambler. And so, we've never seen upper crust. We don't know what the upper crust, what kind of speeders they drive now. It's like 30 years in the future. We have no, we have no idea what they drive. We have no idea what this looks like. So you look at it and you go, "This doesn't look like Star Wars," and it's like, "Bet your sweet ass, we've never seen it before." So you know, <laughs> it's gonna look different. It's gonna look like, "Whoa, this is gonna look like the world you've never gotten to see." It's gonna be like, "Wait a minute, like this has been out there in the galaxy." Well, anyway, the Resistance now. There's no more Republic. It was wiped out in the Hosnian system. So they have nothing supporting them. They have nothing them. supporting them. So now they're this ragtag group of, if you would call them, mercenaries. And so I guarantee you what's left of the government is going to get controlled by like rich people who are like, we're not going to die. And so I guarantee you that Benicio Del Toro is a character who's able to be bought and sold by the First Order. And is kind of like a, you know, we won't, we won't fund your, your childish efforts. You failed. You know, you got a whole system blown up. He basically, I guarantee you, he pits the galaxy against the resistance in the effort of gaining fame with Supreme Leader Snoke and or the First Order Hux 
General Hux was made to look real bad last movie. Yeah. You know what he could really use? He could really use a shot in the arm in the eyes of Supreme Leader Snoke. He could really use gaining the gaining the trust of the politicians and or the campaigning politicians and or the rich upper crust of society, the upper echelon, backing the First Order. That would look great for him. Yeah. And you know what? I, I really uh, – I would like that. You know, obviously I have my theory, but – I would like if I was wrong and your theory is correct because I always like the sort of the two-pronged villain thing. I think it works well, you know, in the prequels. The prequels themselves might have not worked out right. completely, but I liked the concept of you had the Sith and the Separatists, and they were two separate things with two separate goals. One of them was, was you know, uh, goals of turning the galaxy to the dark side, essentially, and the other one was more political. So right. I would like if you had something a little bit more grounded. You know, I know a lot of people are digging the politics of Star Wars and the prequels, but I have a feeling, you know, if done well, focusing more on that side of the universe could be cool. I think it could be something yeah. interesting. I think as long as you don't get too in-depth about tax policy and trade barricades. I honestly don't think that you, I honestly don't think that they will. I think it'll be something, because I, I don't know if you people know this, but, you know, it was a part of, it was a part of the Force Awakens that was cut from the film with uh, Corsella. She was the girl you saw die on Hosni and Prime when the big red beam came down and struck her. Okay. She was the only one in the uh, in the Senate um, because Leia was outed as um, Anakin's daughter, and she was no longer. It was like you've been Leia Organa, and now we find out you're you're Darth Vader's technically kid. Darth Vader's daughter, and it's like. Are you really royalty? Get out of here. So she was relegated to becoming like a general of the resistance, which the Senate and the government didn't, the Republic did not approve of. Um, the New Republic did not approve of the resistance, but Corsella got them that funding and got them to slip under the radar when things got messed up. And so she was kind of like, we literally watched their only supporter perish. That's who that was. So politics was a part of that movie. I don't know how big of a part, but that was the character's side of the story. She, I, apparently, she had a whole story that was cut from the film, but she was um, her their only supporter. Nerdy so I wouldn't fact. be too surprised if we do get that yeah. in this movie. Nerdy fun fact, the girl who played Corsella is now a series regular on Legends of Tomorrow on the CW. She plays uh, Vixen. Yeah, yeah, she so, does, which I never know. noticed until this moment, and I'm going to pretend like I knew it. And wow. Yeah, right? Yeah, wow. Yep. I knew she I got, knew her from She somewhere. got one shot in The Force Awakens and now she's uh full time on the CW. Yeah, full tilt, Big man. Time. Really Big cool. Time. Congrats. Um also I, I really want to talk about just to shift gears a little bit here, really want to talk about Luke Skywalker. So, you know, we sort of talked about him mm. in relation to to Ray, but what about him, you know, him as himself? There's there's an interesting quote I want to read from Michael Arndt, who wrote the first draft of the Force Awakens script. Um, and he said that they were having some trouble. They had initially written a longer storyline for Luke. He was supposed to come into the story earlier and mm. essentially help them fight Kylo Ren, help Finn and Rey. Um, and, you know, I don't know where it went from there. But uh, Michael Arndt said, it just felt like every time Luke entered the movie, he took it over. He just mm. took it over. So, this is one of the most iconic movie characters in all of the history of movies, obviously. Up there with Han Solo, both of them. Yes. Yeah. So, how do you... My question is, I guess, how do you work him into this movie um, in a way that doesn't do what Michael Arndt said he did in The Force Awakens, that he doesn't become larger than life, that he's able to fulfill his role, and he's able to let the other characters do what they're going to do and lets them sh let them shine. Uh, and at the same time, do you think his presence will be an issue or do you or do you not even have those concerns? Mm, you just the way you fix all that is just to let it not be an issue because in the last movie I agree with him it would have been a bit of a like a jarring like oh my god member berries everywhere <laughs> you know every character being and you wouldn't have had time to really savor in the flavor of like seeing Luke you know you searched I, I don't care who you were even if you don't like Luke you searched the whole movie going alright where is he gonna be Come on, where is he? And then, like, the movie looked like it was over, and then you were like, wait, uh, what? What? Like, not in this thing? What? So, like, is this not happening for me tonight? Like, it was like, it was like the most disappointing <laughs> moment of your whole life. Um, so, it was like, I guess this is just not happening. So, but then when you saw him, it makes sense, especially with that. But you just make it not a problem because in this one, you have to remember now we're less a Han Solo. We need that sister brother moment possibly going to happen rest in peace Carrie you know you have that sister mm -hmm. the sister brother moment maybe but you also have that student teacher moment you need him 
there's no more of those legacy characters in high supply like there was in the last movie so you need Luke there's not going to be this whole member berries thing happening where you where the Falcon's its own character that comes in and C-3PO's its own character that comes in R2 comes back to life right I, you're I, seeing you know everyone had a reveal it just would have been too many reveals over and over and over yeah and over. I agree with you I, I just wanted the reveal to, of I, Chewbacca the yeah. reveal of Han Solo I really just wanted to play devil's advocate with that with that quote but I totally agree with you Good I don't quote think it's a problem uh, yeah, I I don't think it's a problem at all. Only because, uh, like you said, first of all, we that was what the Force Awakened was essentially. It was going through all our old characters. Oh, cool! Everybody's back. We're introducing these new characters, but you're also gonna get your your uh, nostalgia fix. But in this movie, we're invested. These are our characters now. We are invested in Ray, invested in Finn, invested in Poe, and all these new characters. Uh, so and Kylo I think, Ren. And Kylo Ren. Um, that's your guy. Um. And yeah, I think that Luke, I think people are going to want him more, I, you know, me personally, I want him to serve his purpose in the story. I, I'm not as concerned with, oh, cool, Luke's back, I want to see this, nostalgia, nostalgia, nostalgia. I want to see him fulfill his function in the story in relation to all these new characters, because right. now I'm invested in them, and they've sort of developed their own sort of legacy that they are developing. Um. So yeah, so... Uh, I want to kind of now for these this next portion of questions. I kind of want to debate a little bit. I want to ask you a couple questions and see see what we what we agree upon, where we differ. This um, is my favorite part. I know. So let's get into it. Um, the Hollywood Reporter uh, featured a, a YouTube video this week. Uh, they did a whole write up on this video uh, by this guy named Chris Hartwell. It's an interesting video. If you get a chance, go check it out. Essentially, he was begging the question of should Hayden Christensen come back to the Star Wars universe as Force Ghost Anakin? Um, not only was he begging the question, he was he was arguing that he, that they should, that he thinks it's a great idea. I was just thinking, like, the second you said it, like, my brain was like, sure, Hayden Christensen can come back to the Star Wars universe as a pile of crap if he'd like. Anyway, uh, ignoring you. Um, essentially, uh, you know, right. he, he looks at you know, the special editions of the movies where they took out that guy who played Anakin in the originals. What's his name? Sebastian Shaw. Sebastian Shaw. You took out a nice, nice English actor. Portly British man. Yeah, but, you know, a classic English actor, and you replaced Sebastian with... Hayden um, <laughs> A heinous crime. Okay, you well. replaced him with a crime. So, through his various points, which I'll sort of get into here, he argues that it's a good idea. And I also think it would be a good idea to bring him back as... Force goes Anakin. I think it would make sense. I think it would work for the story. Um, clearly, you're not going to agree with me, but let me tell you why. That's your debate. Oh, you're going to tell me why? No, I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> I was like, that's your debate. I think you should. I think I, really I think it's a good idea. Really you're not going like to, it. but uh, right. I really um, like it. No, I think it's a great idea because first of all, in our version of Episode Six that we have, that's what Anakin has become. Anakin is Anakin before he was Darth Vader. He's Hayden Christensen. Um, he's Hayden Panettiere. He's Hayden Panettiere, which was really interesting. Um, yeah, and I think if Luke's been in solitude for all these years, you have to believe that he's been in contact with those same three Force ghosts that we see at the end of Return of the Jedi. He's been in contact with Yoda. He's been in contact with Obi-Wan. And he's been in contact with his dad. And that must suck if they could just pop in on him whenever they want. Yeah, like, he's just kind of trying to stand there like, on a cliff and they're like, bothering him. He's just like standing there, or like if he's sitting on the turley or something, and the one's like, look, and he's like, come on, dude, I'm crapping. That's an interesting question. Where does he go to the bathroom on that rock? You've never seen anyone in Star Wars take a crap or go to the bathroom. I don't want to see it, but I just like want to see if someone like go to the bathroom. Food for thought, guys. You've never seen them. You've like, never seen anybody in Star Wars go to the bathroom. Like go to the bathroom. Like need. Like I gotta go to the bathroom. Like you never even heard. Because it, in most movies, you see people go to the bathroom, right? No, you don't. But like this is a like a universe. Like you need to see everything happen. <laughs> so like for all we know, bathrooms beyond, don't exist. In it Star wouldn't Wars. be beyond me to feel like I need to see. Someone all right, we go just to spent like bathroom. thirty seconds talking about Star Wars. All right, bathroom. go ahead with you. I'm good. Um, yeah, so I think it'd be fitting to see uh, who Luke's been talking to all of these years. Um, and especially I would be interested to see how Anakin feels about what's become of the universe in his absence. Especially that he has a crazed grandson who is murdering people in his name when Anakin essentially denounced that life of Darth Vader when he was dying. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that would be really interesting to see, to get his take on that, to get his counsel to Luke, um, and to also potentially see him interact with Rey. 
um, is, you know, that, again, somebody from the new generation interacting with somebody from all the way back. And I, uh, I am not totally against using things from the prequels. I do not think that they were the best movies, far from it. And Hayden Christensen was definitely, his performance was subpar. But I think a lot of that had to do with the way that the movie was. It was just, it was what it was. I think it had a poorly mm-hmm. written, it had a poorly written screenplay. I think it had, you know, everybody, George Lucas has said time and time again, he is not the type of director to pull performances out of his actors. Nope. He is more of the action guy, the CGI guy, the tech guy. He's not a writer. He's not a director of actors. And I think that's why Hayden Christensen's performance ended up being what it was. Now, I think if you put his, uh, if you put his performance, and a lot of this is pulled directly from this YouTube video I referenced, Chris Hartwell, go check it out. Um, I think if you put his performance in the hands of a director like Ryan Johnson, who's directing episode eight, who has directed some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad, um, and also directed uh, the movie Looper with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis, which was a fantastic movie. I I think you can get a lot better of a performance out of Hayden Christensen with a Ryan Johnson directed script. Mm. Um, and I think he deserves that chance at redemption because he's a joke. You know, to any Star Wars fan, you say Hayden Christensen's name, it's a joke. And he is Anakin Skywalker. He's the central character in this entire universe. And I think to leave it at that would be kind of sad. You know, Rogue One, we brought back Darth Vader and gave him some really awesome moments because the last we had seen of Darth Vader on screen was that cheap little bit at the end of episode three with it where is Padme is she all right which you know again made Darth Vader a laughing stock to a lot of Star Wars fans and Rogue One you weren't laughing at him anymore after those couple scenes he had so I think I would like to see Anakin get the same treatment I would like to see him get the same opportunity redemption and I think this is the perfect way to do it right I, I I totally kind of like agree with you like about the Ryan Johnson thing which is something I was thinking about this morning Actually, I was like, you know, maybe in the hands of a better director under different things. But you know what? Then, then like my dark side pulled at my my heart, and then I was like, no, because <laughs> you know what? I'm like on on like film, like especially because it happens in like it happens to it, the movies happen in cycles of two for me. You know, there's always like the first, and then there's the sequel. Well, he didn't get to be in one, but he got to have a sequel, so he got to be in two and three. And in movies, it's not three strikes you're out. It's like two strikes you're out. And I honestly think it was like two strikes, you're out. Like, you know, like no one else got, gets to return to their role because they were crap. This would be like the only time in, in in Hollywood history that it's like, remember when you were crap? Please come back. It's the only thing that makes sense. I, would I don't know. Almost... Stallone got two more shots after Rocky V and... I think because he gave himself a shot and he had a contract with MGM because he was the maker of those films. Hayden Christensen didn't have a contract with anyone to make Star Wars. That's fair. You know, it's like. But I'm just saying, look at Rocky Balboa and Creed. You know, he gave Rocky another chance. Yeah, but also, like, Stallone was never, didn't start out and never was a crap actor. The movies were crap, but Stallone was never, never, never was a bad actor. Except, stop or my mom will shoot. That movie, (laughs) I rented it at Blockbuster. I think it would be like classic Stallone fair. It was garbage. Yes, this was a long time ago. We're going to start our our Stop or My Mom Will Shoot podcast next week. Yes, it's actually going to be called Stop or Dan Will Shoot Stallone. Um, (laughs) Anyway. I don't. I think it's a bad idea. I'm just gonna leave it at well, that. You know, for like I, obvious I was... reasons. I don't need to explain myself at you. It's just like it's just not a good idea. I think that honestly, if he does come on board, please, Ryan Johnson, please direct a crap out of him and keep his lines very brief. I will say this. I mean, if you <clears> were to see, I mean, we can't judge because Hayden Christensen sort of really. I, I think this put a damper on his career because it was really. And that's essentially, what it was all. The, well, I mean, not just for him because I think it was the bulk of people had only seen him in that. I've only seen him in those movies and Takers, which uh, also starred Idris Elba and uh, T.I. and Chris Brown. Interesting movie. Oh, Mr. Elbow. Yeah. <laughs> Idris Elbow. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I can't, uh, I can't speak really on the depth of his filmography, as most couldn't. Um, yeah. But look at somebody like Natalie Portman, who everyone knew because of her work prior to Star Wars that she was a good actress, and she got plenty but of she, opportunities see, like, afterwards. She got screwed by him. And she has gone on record saying that her scenes across from Hayden Christensen were the hardest things to ever shoot in her career because she he gave her nothing. 
I feel like there was nothing really to give based on the script that was there. I don't so know. So I know I, I think that, that George him. Lucas was part of part of the problem, but I think that if if you know if an actor's actor in the movie like Ian McDermott or like uh, you know um Ewan McGregor Sam or like, Jackson or Sam Jackson even or even Frank Oz's Yoda. Yeah. No one else felt the need to turn out a crap performance because George Lucas was bad because they were already they already came to these films as not just not all, not great maybe in some cases but good actors and and you know what Natalie Portman for for he it was basically like for her acting against a green screen alone it was like going to the dance alone and then having to just talk in the air <laughs> uh, you know and so like at the end of the day yes George Lucas this George Lucas did, fucked him in that way George Lucas did that but also the same token no one in the in the saga you know in the in the in the subsequent saga had any problem churning out a role they're just like all right George I'll tell you what I think you want and they kind of just like let it happen all young actors 19 years old when that movie when those movies happened no one felt the need to turn out a poop performance this guy turns out two poop performances t puts a puts a damper on other people's performances in the movie Natalie Portman never stopped being a bomb actress after that yes his career failed because yes those were the only thing people saw him in that was his chance to make a real to make a real impression on Hollywood. He didn't do it. He has that was his own fault. He could have made better choices as an actor. If he's cast in this, I hope he makes them here. Do I think he deserves it? No. Can he? Sure. Does it make sense? Totally. Do I want it? No. Never. Not in a million years. <laughs> you know what? If you take his delivery of the just the only the only. Good line. He ever spoke, he screamed. He screamed, and it was, I hate you. And that was the only good line he ever gave in those movies. I truly believe that with my whole heart. Well, well, I'll leave it, I'll leave it at this. If every line he speaks in eight is like the I hate you, great. But, uh, I mean, like, hundreds of other lines against that one. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this. I, you know, it's been, it's been 12 years since uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. Um, so... I would like to think that he's pondered the movie. Think his long and hard. Hayden. His performance and hard. in both that and Attack of the Clones. He's an older man now. I think, uh, I'm sure he's had plenty of time for reflection, and I think he'd be able to turn out at least an acceptable performance. Really quick. Dead guy shootout, Deadpool style. Who do you think's going to die in five, four, Three. Wait, in episode eight? In episode eight. Who do you think, like, who's the least likely to make it to episode nine? Yeah, we're going to throw them out there on three, and we're going to leave it at that. Okay, you I'm go. I'm just going to wait go. to find out. Okay. No reasons, no nothing. Just okay. give it. Okay. Three, two, one, Poe. General Hux. You waited on that. I did, but I wasn't going to say what you were going to say anyway. Mm -hmm. I, I figured we'd have different answers, so mm -hmm. I figured. Might as well not confuse the audience. It was Mine wasn't going to I just gave you who I hope doesn't die. And so, like, that'll be my, because usually what I, who I don't want to die or who my brother doesn't want to die, dies. And I gave you, I think, the most logical answer based on. <laughs> yeah, logical. Yeah. All anyway, right. all right. We won't. We won't even touch on argue that. those. We'll let you ponder those for yourself, listeners. Um, let's let's Why talk a little bit. That? Let's talk about a little bit about a, a a tough topic, and this is sort of going beyond episode. This is actually going to episode nine. Uh, really doesn't reflect much on episode eight. So, the entire Star Wars fan community was really shaken by. Yeah, an event about a month ago. Uh, we lost Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, we would just like to say rest in peace, Carrie. Rest in peace. Um, we hope all you know, her family is doing all right because they also lost her mother, Debbie Reynolds. Um, Carrie has a daughter who's around our age, mm -hmm. so thoughts are with Carrie Fisher's family. Um, but as we found out after after Carrie's passing. She was supposed to make an appearance in Nine. Not only was she supposed to make an appearance, she was supposed to be an integral part of the movie. Yep. So my question is, how do you move forward from such a devastating real-life tragedy uh, in these movies? You know, what is what is the way to move forward? I mean, personally, uh, I'll go first. I I, I really liked how uh, Star Trek Beyond handled the passing of Leonard Nimoy. So Leonard Nimoy in these new Star Trek movies plays an older version of Zachary Quinto's Spock, uh, and he died in between the filming of Into Darkness, the second one, and Beyond the third movie. And basically they address it completely on screen as part of the story that old Spock has passed, the news is delivered to Spock, and he sort of spends the entire movie using it as a driving force for the way that he goes about his business as as a member of Starfleet, as 
um, you know, as a Vulcan, and he sort of questions his mortality and what he means to his race, and, you know, sort of these bigger questions that are all driven home by the fact that this real legend had passed in real life. And I think that would be the perfect way to honor Carrie Fisher and to honor Princess Leia. I think you should start episode nine with her funeral, having her have had having passed off screen and make that presence felt use it to you know feel the weight of her of her passing you know the way that it affected all of us in real life and the way that it was really such a such a tragic Maybe have loss. A touch touch what's left of kylo's humanity i think yeah i think he could uh, you know depending on where they go with his character i think you know having, having to hear about your mom dying and having not been there and know you were absent because you're on some like some like um revenge mission is yeah. like that'll, that'll be enough to punch you in the gut cause... you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of uh the scene in uh thor the dark world where uh thor and loki's mother is is killed and loki finds out about it when he's yeah down in the dungeons you know yeah. he's there's nothing he could do it just because you're a bad boy doesn't of... mean you're not a mama's boy like, yeah think about think about you're um, civil war you know when he goes after when tony stark goes after bucky uh winter soldier um, that you know, he said he he is told to stop, and he's like, I can't. He killed my mom. He yeah. didn't even mention his dad. Yeah. He killed my mom. <laughs> you know, so like in this, you there's can something. Have there's something Leia. about the maternal maternal uh role. relationship that's always that's always different. So while Kylo Ren may have had his Mama issues with Han best. Solo, we don't know what what his feelings were on Leia. Um, so yeah, so I think that's how they should move forward with it. I would feel the weight of her loss. Not only, you know, we felt the weight of the loss of Carrie Fisher, have these characters really see, you know, where where they are without Princess Leia, without General Leia. To a lot of these people in this story, she's she's a big force between behind what they do and what their mission is and yeah. who they are. Um, how do you think that I, they should I, I agree with you. I'm not going to debate you on that. I think that that's really great storytelling devices happening. All I'm going to add to that is a really quick thought that Lando is another legacy character. That should, that was also a big role in that last dogfight in Return of the Jedi. And I honestly think that Lando should be brought back to facilitate that extra legacy character being around that we lost in Han and Leia now for nine. We should have him back. We should have a big warm welcome for Lando. And, you know, we saw Lando with Chewie in Jedi in the cockpit. Maybe we see Lando and Chewie again. Maybe we get him back as a general in the Resistance to replace Leia because he's done it before. He's senior. He's He's got he's a legend himself. They could bring him back and they could really utilize Lando. That's my only thoughts on that. I agree with that. I think, uh, I think it's a good way to bring him into the universe. And I think you could sort of appeal to him as, you know, we lost... General Solo and General Organa, how can, you know, it's a good way to bring him in and it can yeah. be, and it, and also I think it would be a really touching way to honor, uh, to honor Carrie because you can have Lando who personally knew Leia for years. Kind of eulogize her so, Exactly. Lines, you know, I, on the film. and I honestly, I hope we get, I hope we get a, a, a nice, you know, whoever, whoever delivers it, I hope we get a great eulogy for Leia, um, as sort of Star Wars' tribute to yeah. Carrie. Um, um so yeah. I mean that's let's 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 wrap things up here. Let's talk about episode 8 as a whole. Um Yeah. Totally. Basically, I mean I guess this is sort of my my simplest question that I have for you. Is it going to be good? Uh we were we were Is it? We don't we you know yes. nothing's ever nothing's ever guaranteed. It is. Um and I think it's sort of if it's not good, shakes things up. It'll be good. But, let me let me stop right there. I'm just again playing devil's advocate. I think the movie's gonna be good. I was given no reason based on Force well, we Awakens. Need, we need to, to ask this question for a, a, a reason. He's gonna stay yes. really playing. So, um, I I think Ryan Johnson is a fantastic filmmaker, and he he's done some amazing work, and uh, you know, he's done Looper. Like I said, Looper, Breaking Bad, uh, Brick, which I also heard was a very good movie. And I haven't seen it myself. Mm. Um. But I think if if episode eight, for whatever reason, isn't good, it sort of complicates things moving forward because nine 
seems a little bit more shaky. It's, it's a, tr- you know, it was written a, a based on a treatment that Ryan Johnson did when he wrote episode eight uh-huh. or shortly afterwards, um, written and directed by Colin Trevorrow, who does not have much of a track record to go off of. He directed a couple of indies, uh, 2012's Safety Not Guaranteed. He directed The Book of Henry, which is an indie coming out uh, later this year. Uh, and he then his big break was he directed Jurassic World, which I don't know how everyone felt about it. I thought it was fine. I thought it was just okay. but it also a, It was a decent movie, the, the, but it wasn't Star Wars. The biggie big here is that when 8 comes out, 9 is going to be in the can, like shot. Right, principal so, photography. So we didn't ha- on- that wasn't that didn't happen with eight um, to seven. You know, when seven came out, we had like we had about three four months until they started shooting the Force Awakens, just in case something didn't pan out at that point. They could go, oh my god, guys, break out the dry erase Fix board. It. They hate this. You know, we're not gonna have that on nine. So when that movie comes out, if people hate eight, they're gonna go, oh god, we already filmed what they hated in nine. Yeah. Um. So I mean, like I said, like we both said. I, I don't think it's gonna happen. I think eight will be a solid ground for them to build off of moving forward. But more questions surrounding nine, because uh, I personally am not as certain in the talent. But then again, who am I? I trust the people at Disney. I trust the people at Lucasfilm. Kathy Kennedy, Bob Iger. Who are, who are you? Who are we? Who are we? We're who? dorks. We are the we're the importance. We're the one that caused problems for the people that are really making the decisions. Oh, those are the problem making dorks. Yeah, no, those we're are the, the basement. We're dwellers. the cool dorks. Those are the basement dwellers. We're yeah. like the all right ones. Yeah, we're the ones that you can still like talk to at a bar and have a normal conversation. Of course, I'd with. be the one to say that about myself. Yeah, uh, I think anyone would. But I like to think we're kind of cool. All right. I don't know. We'll make it. Um. All right. So that sort of wraps up our conversation about episode eight. But I do have one bonus question for you. Because I've been thinking a lot about Rogue One and these spinoff movies moving forward, how they relate to the whole, uh, mm. the universe as a whole. If you could have one spinoff of your choice be made, what would be your spinoff? Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan Kenobi. I think that'd be pretty cool. Why don't you know what would be your your sort of conception of an Obi Wan movie? Because for over three millennia, the Jedi Knights have been the guardians of peace throughout the galaxy. That is exactly the reason i think that he has the most you know jedis have always been important but he is like one of the most important jedi and like having delivered that line doesn't even realize it so you have that whole you have the whole timeline which is the sweetest time ever Mm -hmm. between three and four where you can kind of have some of the lore from the movie you made in rogue one kind of spill over and maybe brush shoulders with some of those characters in a episode 3.5 type 4 movie with Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan taking his own clo- his old clone gear to, you know clone uh, clone wars um, general gear slinging it on his back his old like maybe like an old blaster like this there's a sideshow toys toy which is just so cool it's all yeah, of that yeah check it out if you, if you get a sideshow toys a really cool statue Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, statue you'll see it it's got all this stuff slung on its back and it's got you could see like the old clone general armor see him get you know what we saw in the uh the comic right now is what kind of that timeline but i want to see maybe if we maybe the reason you know maybe the reason why we didn't get that movie first even though it's the one that people wanted the most we got han solo is because of the fact that they're gonna have to reveal that obi-wan is ray's um is ray's connection Coming and in full a movie circle here on the dark side in a movie where um, Obi-Wan is the central character you're going to have the person you know to be a hermit turn that theory on its head and you're going to have him fall in love and lose that love in the movie maybe even get someone pregnant and send them away because you can't be here this was a mistake our love was a mistake he has he gets this he falls in love gets someone pregnant uh, ends up having to, someone finds out this guy's a, this guy's a Jedi people come for him it's almost like the style of a Western. So it's like, you know, you have him surrounded by these people who don't believe in this religion on Tatooine. They're coming for him. They're gunning for him. And now he's got this pregnant uh, love in love affair in his hut. And so to protect her, he's got to go out there and face it like Django Unchained style. And he's got to take that lightsaber out one more time and kind of show them what a Jedi is. Oh, what if he fell in love with somebody that was really just like an awesome super cool warrior in her own right and they like yeah. fought they had to fight together yeah. to pre- like protect themselves i think that'd be awesome that would be really um, cool yeah and I, I totally agree with you i think that would be a great movie uh i think we're approaching you and mcgregor being the perfect yeah. age to like look like he's believably becoming alec guinness yeah. with a little makeup little white hair um i think that would be a really cool movie and i 
hope we see it at some point. My pick. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. My pick. I would love to see, uh, not necessarily based off the video game of the same title, but like a Knights of the Old Republic Star Wars movie. Basically a, a Star Wars uh, set back in the day before, way before The Phantom Menace. Way before anything that we've seen on screen. Sort of just to get a sense uh, of the greater universe and how it was, you know, how everything came to be, how everything that we know came to be, you know, the formate maybe the formation of the Jedi, the creation of the Sith, the first master and apprentice, something like that. And yeah. I think it would be a great opportunity for some of those characters if you want to look at the video games or if you want to look at some of the books or the stuff that got sort of wiped out. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of like they the Grand Admiral Thrawn who was a character from the books, I believe. I believe so. And they brought him back uh to the Star Wars universe through Star the Wars Thrawn Rebels. Saga. Yeah. They brought him back uh, through Star Wars Rebels. I think this would be the perfect uh, way to bring back some of these video game characters that a lot of people that a lot of people like and uh, do something cool with them. Yeah, I think absolutely, and I think that that's that's a great way to wrap this up is with the future and the future. Uh, maybe the future let us know. Bright. Let us know. Um, yeah. Hit us your... first of all. Hit us you know, in the we're in the iTunes store now, which oh, is pretty yeah. cool. We're real. So hit us with a uh, with a rating. We're a real or, podcast. Yeah, we are. We're official, baby. We're rocking and rolling. Um, hit us with a rating. Hit us with a review. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you liked it, hit us with those five stars, like a like a good Uber ride. Um, and mm. if not, don't tell anybody. Treat us like a pod racer and give us no stars at all, and give us a terrible movie rating. Don't do that. Give us tell tell everyone you thought we were awesome. You are um, fulfilling your destiny. And you know, hit us with some comments. Hit us with some feedback. We're gonna get some social media set up. Oh yeah. Uh, we would like to hear from you. And if there's anything you'd like to hear from us going forward, you know, hopefully we're gonna talk about like we said earlier, everything TVs, TV, movies, everything nerdy. And be sure to check out the other podcasts from Hot Salad World on the iTunes store under Hot Salad World. There's some other awesome podcasts that you should check out. You may not even know you're into them, and you might be into them. Because everybody that we associate with is dope because we only associate with dope people. There you go again, assuming we're all right. I uh, assume, I mean, you got to be confident, right? <laughs> with that, everybody, thank you so much for listening. May the force be with you. Yeah, and we will talk to you again next week. See you next week.